Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. The Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 6 and verses 5 through to 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Well, we're continuing our series through the Lord's Prayer, where we're looking at the Lord's Prayer line by line. And you'll remember last week, we looked at the first line, Our Father in Heaven. What what a privilege that is, that we get to call God our Father. And and this is the basis of of all prayer, that we, we come into the very presence of God, who is our Father in Heaven. And that implies that God is personal. He's not just some cosmic force, a divine power, but a person who desires to have a relationship with us. He hears us when we speak to him. And it implies that he is a a loving, caring God. He is our father. He's not a tyrant. He's not some aloof, distant dictator. No, he's... He's our loving Father, the ideal Father who loves and cares for us. He not only hears our prayers, but He cares for us and He loves us. It also means, thirdly, that He's powerful. He's not just good, but He's great. The the line, in heaven, indicates not so much the place where God lives as much as it indicates the power and the authority at God's command because he's the creator of the universe and he rules over all things. God not only hears our prayers and is concerned for us, but he can also do something about it. God combines fatherly love with heavenly power. And this is the basis of all prayer. We get to come into the very presence of God who is simultaneously our loving Father and the most powerful being in the universe. And we get to call the most powerful being in the universe our Father. And once we've made the the address, once we've addressed God as our Father in heaven, the prayer moves on to make six requests. One, hallowed be your name. Two, your kingdom come. Three, your will be done. Four, give us today our daily bread. Five, forgive us our debts. And six, deliver us from the evil one. And the first three are phrased in terms of God's glory. Your name, 
your kingdom, your will. And the last three, are, it's all about our needs. Give us, forgive us, deliver us. You see, when it comes to prayer, it's really important that we first focus on God's priorities and God's concerns before we turn attention to our wants and needs. For when we first focus our priorities, uh, uh, focus on God's priorities, it, it kind of puts everything into perspective. So rather than just rushing in and asking God for things, we first need to focus on God's concerns and priorities. And, and that kind of brings everything into focus. It brings everything into perspective. And of course, all six of these requests, in all six of these requests, we're asking God to do something. But these requests also implies that, that we're involved, that, that it, it involves our participation. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we, we're praying to God, asking God to do something. We're asking God to bring his kingdom into being. But at the same time, we're praying that, that we would do something, that we too would work towards that goal. When we pray, God, forgive us, we're asking God to do something. We're asking God to forgive us. But we're also praying that we would work towards that, that we would do something, that we would turn away from our sins, and that we would also forgive others. And so this prayer is community forming. When we pray this prayer within a community, it forms us as a community. It forms our identity. This is who we are. This is, it forms our identity as followers of Jesus. And so today we're going to be focusing on the, the first request. Hallowed be your name. Now that's an ambiguous request, isn't it? I mean, it's ambiguous for a number of reasons. What does it mean? What does hallowed mean? It's a very archaic word, a very old-fashioned word. We don't use that word today. Uh, the closest we get to it is Halloween. But that's very misleading because most people think that's got to do with dressing up like evil monsters and doing trick, and tr trick or treat. Or, or watching horror, horror movies. And so it's very misleading because it's lost all sense of its original meaning. So, so what does the word hallowed mean? Hallowed simply means to make holy, to sanctify, to, to make sacred, to make it pure and good. So we, we're asking God to make his name pure and good, so to make it holy. Why are we asking God to make his own name holy? Uh, I mean, are, are we meant to be really concerned about God's literal name? I mean, has this got to do with uh, not using Jesus as a swear word or not saying, oh my God? No, I'm not, I, you know, personally, I don't like it if people use Jesus as a swear word, but it, this is not what it's about. It's not about that. You see, within that culture, a person's name represented the person's reputation and character. So you would say, oh, they've got a good name. That means they've got a good reputation. They're a good person. And so God's name represents God's reputation. 
When we talk about the name of God, we're actually talking about God himself. We're talking about his reputation and his character. So are we asking God to make his own reputation and character holy? I mean, surely God is the most holy being. Surely God's name is the most holy name. Surely there's no name, no being, no reality that is more holy than God. God is holy, therefore God's name is holy. Everything else can become unclean, but, but God is holy. His name is holy. But yet, his name can become defiled. What do I mean by that? I mean, we can drag, other people can drag God's name through the mud. We can drag God's reputation and character through the mud. You see, we still use the same kind of language. We sometimes say, oh, oh, so-and-so has just dragged my name through the mud. What, what do we mean by that? I mean, do we mean that someone's actually written your name on a piece of paper and then taken the piece of paper and dragged it through the mud, like literally dragging it through the mud? No, no, we mean that that person has has said something publicly, most likely on social media, or done something publicly to the detriment of our reputation. They've ruined our reputation. And we can drag the name of God through the mud. So, for example, we see this in the Old Testament. For example, in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 21 to 23, uh, the, the Israelites, that, that's the people of God, had become really sinful. They were worshiping idols that even murdered people, so really sinful. And because they are God's people, they have profaned God's name. They've dragged his name through the mud. They've defiled it, polluted it, brought shame on it. They've dragged the reputation of God through the mud. Oh, you call yourself a Christian, do you? Look at how you live. Oh, if that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I don't want anything to do with Jesus or to do with your God. We drag the name of God through the mud. And today, many people, because of the way other Christians have lived, many people will ridicule God. They'll say, look at their lives. That just proves there is no God. Or if there is a God, he must be very weak and unloving. Who would want anything to do with that God? And so we drag the name of God through the mud. And as a result, other people then drag the name of God through the mud. They ridicule God. We read then in verse 23, Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 23, God says, I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. You see, God is concerned about his name. God is concerned about his reputation, which we have dragged through the mud. See, God wants everyone everywhere 
to respect his name, to know that he is a holy God. He is a great God, an awesome God, the powerful God. And so he says he's going to do something. He's going to do something to prove to everyone that he is an awesome, holy, powerful God. What's he going to do? How is he going to prove this? What it says at the end of verse 23, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. God is going to do something in the life of the Israelites that's going to make everyone else stand back and say, wow, look at their lives. Look at their changed and transformed lives. There must be a God. And their God must be holy. He must be awesome. He must be powerful. He must be loving to do that in their lives. And God's name will be hallowed. You see, the rest of Ezekiel chapter 36 is all about how God is going to forgive them and restore them. How he's going to give them a new heart and a new spirit, the Holy Spirit. How he's going to make them holy just as he is holy. And then people will stand back and say, wow, God is awesome. And God's name will be hallowed. Take note that it's not our job to tell people, don't use the Lord's name in vain. You must show respect for God's name. Don't blaspheme. That's not our job. That's not how we make people hallowed God's name. No. It's by the way we live that they will stand back and say, wow, God is awesome. And God's name will be hallowed. And so when we pray, hallowed be your name, what we're praying is that God's name would be regarded as holy. That, that, That God's name would be treated with the respect and the dignity and the honor that it deserves. And that will happen when people see the way we live. And so what we're actually praying is we're praying, we're asking God to reveal his holiness so that everyone, starting with us, that everyone would know that he is holy. And this is both a global and a personal request. We're praying that God would reveal his holiness globally so that everyone would come to know that God is holy. But we're also praying that God would reveal his holiness to me, personally and individually. And when God reveals his holiness to us, personally and individually, we will suddenly become aware of how unholy we are. We see this in Isaiah's vision of God when he's in the temple in in Isaiah chapter 6. The, the prophet Isaiah is in the temple of God alone when all of a sudden God reveals his holiness, just how holy he is. And in this vision, Isaiah the prophet sees God seated on his throne. And around the throne are these supernatural beings and they all proclaiming, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And immediately the prophet Isaiah becomes aware of his own unholiness. And he says, Woe to me! I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. When God reveals his holiness to us, we will immediately become aware 
of our unholiness. You see, God is both all-loving and the most holy being. Did you notice the, the sharp contrast, the tension in the first two lines in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We saw this last week. God is our Father, our Abba Father, our loving Father. He is pure love. But he's also holy, absolutely holy. And his holiness demands purity, goodness. How do we, how can the love of God and the holiness of God be brought together? You see, the, the love of God draws us to God, but the holiness of God causes us to withdraw. Woe to me, I'm unclean. How can we reconcile the love of God with the holiness of God? How can God be both love, which seeks to forgive, and holy, which demands purity and goodness? How do we reconcile this? Well, we're given a clue in what happens next in Isaiah's vision in the temple. The next thing that happens is God sends an angel with a a burning coal in its hand, which it's taken from the, the altar of sacrifice. He takes this burning coal in his hand and he takes it to Isaiah and he touches Isaiah's lips. And as soon as he touches Isaiah's lips, it purifies Isaiah. It makes him clean. And the angel says, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. This is a picture of what happens when we put our faith in Jesus. When we put our faith in Jesus, God reaches out from his holiness and he touches us. And when he touches us, it purifies us. It makes us clean. Our, our guilt is taken away. Our sin is atoned for and we made holy. And this is all because of the cross. On the cross, both the holiness and the love of God is displayed. God is a holy God and therefore he, he will not tolerate sin. He, he, he simply cannot tolerate evil. He cannot put up with, with cruelty. He cannot shrug at lies and corruption and greed and selfishness. Sin has to be dealt with. There needs to be justice. But at the same time, God is a loving God who, who seeks to, to forgive us and be restored to us and have a relationship with us. What's the solution? The solution is the cross. For God comes to us in the person of Jesus and he takes our sin upon himself. He takes our guilt upon himself. He takes the, the punishment of our sins upon himself and he dies the death that we should die so that we can be forgiven. There's the holiness of God. Sin is dealt with. And there is the love of God. We are forgiven. And so when we pray, hallowed be your name. We are praying that God would reveal his holiness, 
so that everyone, starting with us, everyone would regard God as holy. That we would treat God with the the respect, the dignity, and the honor that is due to him. But I think it's more than that. It's definitely not less than that, but I think it's much more than that. I think when we pray, hallowed be your name, that we, we go in beyond merely regarding God as holy, and we move into a point where we're actually adoring God. We're marveling at his beauty. We're having our breath taken away by his awesome power. We've been overawed by his love, delighting in his presence, and being totally captivated by him. We're just enjoying his presence. You see, that's what prayer is all about. Prayer is not about getting God to do what you want. You know, God is not like a a genie in an oil lamp that's just waiting for you, just waiting for you to come along so that he can grant you whatever is your latest wish or desire. Prayer is not about giving God a shopping list. Prayer is all about coming into the presence of God and adoring Him, being captivated by Him. Do you just pray when you need something? Do you just pray when you're in trouble? See, if you only pray... When you need something, if you only pray when you're in trouble, it shows that you have a faulty view of prayer. True prayer, real prayer, it's all about coming into the presence of God and simply adoring Him for who He is, marveling at His beauty, being captivated by Him. When we pray, hallowed be your name, We are praying that I may treasure you and value you above everything else. We're praying that, that, that God might be the most sacred thing, the most hallowed thing, the most important thing, the most crucial thing in my life. You see, when God is occupying his rightful place, when God is occupying that most holy place, the most hallowed place in your life, it puts everything else into proper perspective. I've noticed that with my own prayers, my own prayer life, when I spend time simply adoring God in prayer, simply being captivated by God, it puts everything else into proper perspective. So when it comes to the time when I'm, I'm actually presenting my requests to God, I'm no longer all anxious and, and stressed about it. I'm, I'm able just to Lay it before God's feet and relax. And if I can't relax, if I can't experience peace, it probably means that whatever I'm praying about, whatever I'm worried about, is more important to me than my relationship with God. It probably means that the thing I'm stressed about, the thing that I'm praying about, Whatever that is, it might be money, it might be my job, it might be my health, whatever it is, whatever that thing is, it is occupying the most hallowed space in my life. And so I can't experience peace. 
What I need to do is demote it. I need to get it out of that most hallowed space. And I need to get God back into his rightful place. And the way I do that is by coming into God's presence in prayer and adoring him and being captivated by him and enjoying him and just just adoring him for who he is. And when we adore God, and when we've been captivated by God, we actually start to become like God. We become more holy. See, if you, you spend a lot of time around another person, you end up becoming more and more like them. You pick up some of their traits. And, and many people will gaze at celebrities, and then they start dressing like the celebrity. They, they start reproducing their mannerisms and their appearances. And when we gaze at God when, we, God, when we're just captivated by God, when we're adoring God, we start to become more and more like God. When we are just captivated by Jesus, we start being transformed into His image in ever-increasing glory. Are you captivated by God? Do you adore God? Is He the most sacred thing, the most holy thing? In your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please forgive us for all the times when we treat you like a genie in an oil lamp. Where we think you're there to serve us and and to grant us whatever wish or request we have. Father, please forgive us. Father, may we simply come into your presence and adore you for who you are. Hallowed be your name. Father, help us to become so captivated by you that we can just gaze at you. And through that, we might start becoming more and more like you. And Father, please forgive us for all those times where we have dragged your name through the mud. Times when often we, we act so religious and we get so concerned if, if, if people uh, use your name in vain and all that. But the way we live and the way we treat others is actually dragging your name through the mud. Father, forgive us. Forgive us and help us. To be so consumed with you, so in awe of you, so captivated by you, that we would naturally live in a way that would honor you and lead to others to stand back and just go, wow, there must be a God and he must be awesome. Father, we can't do that. Only you can do that. Father, won't you do that in our life? Won't you reveal to us afresh just how holy you are so that we can gaze in your beauty? We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.